of this Tokyo and I'm Godzilla Playing blackjack versus death gun on the car dealer Just bought a demon, I'm screaming up out the car dealer Last Welcome to Stokes County Boys, a podcast in which two friends discuss the place and things that made them who they are and who they are not. As always, you're joined by me, Philip, and my good friend Patrick. Patrick's back. What's happening? Hey, doing all right. How are you doing, Philip? Doing just fine. As always, we're just hanging in there. Today, Patrick, today we have a great episode because today we're talking about going back to the movies. We're talking about a movie and not just any movie, we're talking about the 2018 animated, I think it's a modern classic, it will be, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, so I'm excited to talk about that. I mean, I think you have to include any Academy Award winning movie into a modern classic. That's right. right? I will say, I was like, this movie better beat out, what? I, need, I might need to look up what it was up against, but I was like, this one better win. If this doesn't win, I'm going to go nuts. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's Oscar winner. Before we talk about this Oscar-winning animated film, uh, we got to go back home a little bit, Patrick. It's just me and you. we got to talk about our home. So um, I don't know if you have been keeping up with uh, the Stokes news, um, but they did a recent article. Uh, they mentioned there was this documentary that Jonathan Scott... If you don't know who Jonathan Scott is, apparently he is one of the Property Brothers. Have you heard of the show The Property Brothers? Honestly, I have not. Okay, so there <laughs> I don't these... actually watch a whole lot of TV, but that's okay because a lot of people are into these like home improvement, real estate type programming, right? And they're kind of big in that realm if you're into those type of shows. So one of the property brothers, Jonathan Scott, uh, did this documentary, and it's on. It's called uh, Jonathan Scott's Power Trip, and it's about. I didn't watch the whole movie, just to be honest, but. Um, it starts as him shifting from, in his own home, shifting to solar power and installing like solar panels in his own home. And then he takes this look like cross-country of the uh, efforts to shift to, I think he really concentrates on solar pan, uh, solar power versus like wind or whatever. But he's he's going across the nation looking at the power structures that are not only providing the opportunities to develop the solar infrastructure in the United States, but also those, you know, the fossil fuel industry that's trying to uh, slow that down, right? There's a section of the documentary, and luckily this is like for free. You can watch this for free on PBS if you're interested in checking it out. Um, in this part, he's in Nevada. I think it starts in Nevada. He goes to Georgia. He's in um, other parts of the U.S., but he does end up in North Carolina. The first part of the film uh, in North Carolina, there's a section where he's talking to um, a church leader in Greensboro, North Carolina. North Carolina. And then um, at about the 58-minute, I've marked it in case you want to check this out. We'll link it in the show notes, but if you want to check this movie out and just check out the North Carolina section, he talks about Blues Creek and the Blues Lake area where there's a, um, a coal ash depository there in that area, and, and it's caused some like environmental issues. Did you know about this, actually? Like the coal ash like spill from Duke Energy. Duke Energy is the culprit here. I, I did know about it, Philip. Um, I, I'm interested. I'm going to let you finish here. But uh, yeah, I did. I am aware that this uh, incident took place and uh, that it did cause a stir in our local area, but also across the state. Yeah, exactly. And so this was a few years ago. And um, honestly, you know what? It, 
it kind of washed over me at the time, and I, I don't know why. For one reason or another, I didn't really know about it. But it was pretty interesting to see this, and they talked to some community members that are from Walnut Cove or that grew up in Blues Creek, and, um, and they were showing some footage of a protest there where they were talking about the, the issues at hand. It's not only that they were storing this coal ash, which apparently is really just toxic stuff, uh, Duke Energy had this huge depository there because one, it's a rural neighborhood. Two, it's poor. So nobody's complaining or really paying attention. And if they are complaining, they don't have the resources to like put up some sort of legal battle to go up against, you know, Duke Energy, which kind of runs the state here in terms of power. Um, so essentially what happened was they have all the this just ridiculous amount of coal ash deposits. And it's starting to, or it started to infect the water source and then like taint the water, poison the water, essentially. And so the other messed up thing, Patrick, is that they, you know, they finally agreed to clean it up. But how do they do it? They raise the, the power bills. So you and I right now are helping clean up their, their like multi-billion dollar uh, settlement to, to take care of this coal ash spill. But it's interesting too that you bring up the timeline because if I'm not mistaken, this this happened about six six years ago, six ish years ago, mm-hmm. and and you know it's long enough that <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I'd forgotten all about it really until you brought it up, and and I think that I'm probably not the only one. I mean, but we're still we still are footing the bill for this exactly, and not only that, you know, it's like you think about you know national stories like Flint, Michigan, because their water source was just ruined by buying cheap pipes. the The governor had agreed to do that, the Michigan at the time, and just ruined that city. In this case, Blues Creek, this the it's not as dire, it's not as bad as that, but it's still bad, and it's just something that the community is being hit hard by it. Honestly. I think you're right. It was like six years ago or so. I think it was 2016 before they actually um, settled and decided to start actually cleaning it up. But I, if I look back, I was in grad school at that time. I wasn't paying attention to hardly anything going outside of me trying to finish my work there, which is kind of shameful to say. But like, I think this is something we might want to come back to at some point and just see like what's going on right now. The people find some people that are living there. So I, I just like to reach out to somebody that's in that area or knows people of that area in that southeastern part of uh, Stokes County that's affected by this to let us know what's happening. Philip, you know, ne- neither one of us claim to be experts at, well, really, really anything. But uh, <laughs> you know, we when we have these conversations and stuff, you know, they they are ongoing. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, I do remember when this happened. It was just such a big stink. Um, made on a lot of sides yeah. and uh if i if i recall correctly and again i this is just kind of conversational i've not done my my due diligence research if i if i recall correctly though like i, I don't remember that the drinking water was ever in danger or really affected right like yeah. it was in flint yeah i shouldn't have compared it to flint necessarily because it's not quite the same thing but yeah you're right but but it's still you know there there's toxic chemicals in well yeah it's 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 affecting it's not just i think it's in other spots too so it 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 becomes it like settles on people's like homes and things like that and it Mm -hmm. it affects people's lungs you know their breathing and there's just these 
unforeseen long-term effects. If you live in that community, you know, most people that grow up there are likely to stay there. So they're being exposed to this like toxicity for decades. And, uh, you know, the Dan river was affected. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a Mm -hmm. river that's very near and dear to you and I, because we grew up going down the rubber donuts in the Dan river, you know, like go tubing. It was a, it's a very much, uh, it's a very popular tourist part of Stokes County specifically. And, you know, anytime there's a <laughs> any sort of toxic anything, you kind of tend to stay away from it. Exactly. So I'm sure that that and it really hit the tourist yeah, part. Yeah. So you're talking about Danbury, which has a lot of those spots where you would go off the Dan River to go tubing, or there's more talk park, which the Dan River passes through there. Th- these small towns can't afford to have one of the main attractions be hit by coal ash in the, in the water to, to keep people away, you know? God, this is such a cynical American thing to say, and I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. e- even beyond health, though, it bothers me that, that you know, the taxpayer has to pick up the, the bill on this. Yeah. Oh, that's not even you know, the taxpayer. It's, <laughs> you know, it's the Duke Energy who... The Duke Energy consumer. Exactly, I mean, yeah. And, but the thing is, is like, do we have a choice? Unless I had set up solar panels in my home when I bought it or whatever, you have to pay those power bills. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, well, well, we'll defray the cost on the customer instead of like whatever profits that they're making. But yeah, it's, it's pretty disgusting. But saying that, I would like to reach out to someone in the community. Hey, if you're listening right now, if you know anything about it or know of someone, reach out to us. Stokescountyboys at gmail.com. Let us know. But I'll link the movie in the show notes. And so you can access it for free. Um, it's through the PBS site. Um, and then also I'll link the Stokes News article if you want to read more about that from Neil Caldwell, our good buddy, friend of the show. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to uh, leap into the Spider Verse. Patrick, what do you think about that? Oh, I can't wait. All right. Stay tuned. And we're back. We're back, Patrick. <laughs> you, you caught me on a tab shift. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just, I was kind of messing with you, but it worked out. And so today we're speaking about, once again, the uh, 2018 Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's like, what is the deal with the, the Spider-Man ownership with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all of this? Because to be honest, like I've tried to keep up with it and it's really convoluted, but um, I'm kind of glad that Disney didn't have its whole entire claws on the Spider-Man because we got this movie out of it. But Patrick, can you explain that for me? I, and I'm probably not 100% correct on this, Philip, yeah. but, but from my understanding, you know, there's certain um, media out there that is, you know, own. And it's funny because, you know, uh, I think back to some of our conversations, you know, John Lennon 
and Paul McCartney used to give Ringo rights to songs because how can you own a song? Yeah, well, yeah. you know what? <laughs> Michael Jackson can probably, well, he probably could answer that question a few years ago uh, if you ask Mr. McCartney. Uh, but no, you look at you look at the ownership of these uh, materials, and really, what does that mean? It's that you you're allowed to make money off of it. Yeah. Um, there's certain times when certain things cross and and there's some gray areas here or there with you know when it came to some of the behind closed doors deals with disney and sony and all that it seems like spider-man was kind of caught in the middle a little bit and is it because that sony had purchased the rights to it before all of this like marvel cinematic universe takeover stuff is that essentially it i believe so but you know there, there's always the the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So you, you've had Spider-Man, the character that was in the Marvel universe, right? You know, which the Tom uh, Holland, uh, you know, the Tom Holland Spider-Man, right? Yes, but that was like um, a that then, was like a handshake deal, right? Pretty between much, the studios, pretty much. right? But but look at what look at what came of that. I mean, he was one of the best characters in the the whole entire series. Yeah, yeah. and you know both. The, the Marvel movies themselves, the, the Marvel Universe, um, you know, Thanos, that whole storyline benefited from this exact character, Tom Holland's character, being in there. Whereas it also gave a boost to the, you know, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming and those other independent movies that stood alone. And by allowing, you know, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man to appear in some of those uh, Tom Holland movies. Like, there needs to be more crossover because what we got was a great product. And, you know, I'm sorry if your billions are not turning into multi-billions. You're still making plenty of money, but give the people what they want. Yeah. Phil, it's so funny that you, you led with that because, like, the first thing in my notes... Uh, so, I rewatched this for... I, I've, I've seen it four or five times now. I love the movie. Yeah, but okay. But, you know, I rewatched it very recently... Um, knowing we were going to do this so I could actually specifically take some notes. And the first set of notes I took down was in the intro. It's Columbia Pictures in association with Marvel, a Sony animation film. <laughs> and it just makes me laugh because yeah. like, they're, yeah. I like that they're working together, though. And you also saw some throwbacks to not just, you know, like Tom Holland and the, the let's call it the modern Spider-Verse. But you got the, you know, um, Tobey Maguire stuff. You you yeah, had the upside yeah. down kiss scene that they showed early on. You, a, you had these flashbacks from those actual movies. It was a lot like, um, have you seen the Lego Batman? I have. It was yes. a lot like, they, they did a similar thing with that, which I really enjoyed. How they pretty much incorporated every single Batman TV show, even the like 30s shorts was in that. In this one, you saw all the, pretty much every single, you know, filmic representation of of Spider-Man in some way. But it made sense in this way. It made total sense the way they did it because you have this idea of the, the multiverse and these multi, you know, that's like infinite number of universes, and so therefore you have this infinite number of Spider-Man. So all of these things have indeed happened, <laughs> you know, but right. And Philip, how much did you know about Spider-Man growing up? I mean, were you a Spider-Man fan? Were you like... You no, know, that's a good what question. What was your level? I did not... Okay, so I wasn't a huge comic book person. I did go get into comic books for a short period of time in the early, mid-90s. 
So when I was like, you know, 10, 11, 12. Spider-Man was my guy for that one. I liked X-Men and Spider-Man. So the ones that Sony or Fox and Sony owns are now, well, now, not now, but. So yeah, I was, I was into X-Men mainly because of the cartoon show, the Fox Kids cartoon show, which then led me to go into the comics. But when I bought started buying some comics, I bought a lot more of the Spider-Man. So I really like Spider-Man. Uh, during that short period of time. Now, I didn't follow the, the comic narrative, you know, much past that, but I did, I, I related to him, I guess, because he, he's like the only one that's a kid, you know? Well, it's funny because I feel like that's why I didn't relate. Oh, to really? Him. Because when I wanted, you know, you I, I, I did not grow up as a comic collector or whatever, yeah. but I loved Batman. Yeah. Absolutely loved Batman. And part of it was through the movie series, you know, the Michael Keaton, Batman, Batman Returns. Um, you know, those those kind of got me into the character, but I, I wasn't a comic book collector, but the few comic books, or, or I really should say graphic novels, because they were compilations, yeah. um, were really a Batman. Mm -hmm. Just like you, I got into X-Men uh, because of the cartoon series, which was actually pretty close to the uh, original comic series in terms of the storylines yeah. and stuff. Um, but then, you know, the, the first movie that really blew up that was a comic movie that was like... You know, besides, you know, Batman and Batman Returns, yeah, that sort of stuff. Like, you know, when X-Men, the original, like, I believe it was 2000 X-Men, the Hugh Jackman, mm -hmm. Wolverine, yeah. like, it was a phenomenon. It was good. And it really opened the door to so many things. Yeah, and then... But that was when I first discovered, like, Spider-Man. Just Yeah, and then a couple years later, the Sam Raimi's Spider-Man came out, and that was a really good movie, like, at the time. I, I haven't watched that in a long time, so I don't know if it holds up at all, but... I like those first two Sam Raimi Spider-Mans. Did he do the third? He did. In that series? He did. And it's oh, weird. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. There's a reference in this movie. But yeah. I, they did. But this one, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but what, so we've got we've got three Sam Raimi Spider-Mans. we got two of the the amazing Spider-Man man movies. Uh, I actually did not see either one we've of We've got so. two Tom Holland Disney Spider-Mans. A third one on the way, and this one, Spider Verse. I think this is my favorite one. This is, I think this is the best one. Well, the, the Andrew Garfield. I did not see either one of his movies. Yeah, um, I saw but, the first one, again, and then they said the second. Uh, you know, you just saw so many bad things about the second one. I just didn't bother. I, I do have to say, though, Philip, like with with critics and and the negative comments. I mean, I've seen some movies that were panned by critics that are yeah. absolute some yeah. of my favorites embarrassingly so in some cases but i don't care what you say ace ventura 2 when nature calls is is right up there as one of the best movies ever created hands down um <laughs> casablanca forrest gump ace ventura 2 and then the rest yeah um, <laughs> then we'll get to the godfathers and and uh you know, we're not going to talk about foreign films or anything like that. But. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, but no, Phil, I, from from what I've seen, though, or from what you just said, but what I've seen of the specific Spider-Man movies, absolutely. But I would take it a step further and say this is one of the greatest animated movies I've ever seen. Yeah. I think, this, I think like, the, I, I'm, I'm more into the animation well, part of it than I am everything else. But, like, I love this movie. You know, I'm glad you said that because I'm just going to say in general, we've talked about a few movies on this podcast. I identified in our Jurassic Park episode 
I was like, you know what? I think this is a perfect movie. My kind of ideal of a perfect movie. So I was kind of looking at this movie through that lens. I was like, is this a perfect movie? I'm going to say no, but it's not because of the aesthetic or the character design or anything that I saw. You know, it might be thematically, I think it's a little weak, but like look-wise in terms of the animation, it's a masterpiece, I would say. I think it's it's incredible. It, it basically uses mixed media of like CG, hand drawing. It's got the uh, that newsprint comic style with the dots, and it, it just looked so good. Philip, I was thinking about this earlier. Um, I think it goes without saying, but just uh, just in case, like for these episodes that we do where we discuss like movies, stuff, like full full spoiler alert because we're gonna like. Oh yeah, it, yeah. The movie's I, two I years hope, old. I was thinking we're talking. Yeah, we're we're gonna tell what happens but yeah yeah i just i, I don't if know you if you've ever actually said yeah, that if you haven't seen it <laughs> as of this recording late 2020 you can watch this on netflix so if you haven't seen it and you don't want to know what happens at the end or anything like that pause this watch the movie come back to us otherwise it's going to get spoiled you've been warned okay go ahead patrick <laughs> there it is and that's what we're looking for um no yeah philip the the uh the animation style I really, really liked and appreciated because, you know, I, it's, it's come up multiple times. I love art. I really like studying visuals. I love sitting around watching cartoons yeah. for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, what I really liked about this movie was that it was clearly not like Disney style. It wasn't your 2D traditional hand-drawn animation, which I love, love, love. Don't get me wrong. It yeah. wasn't your Pixar kind of Toy Story digitally made whatever it wasn't any sort of combination that was like its own distinct digital look and when you dive into the um plot line even dealing with multiverse you know multi universes and with with very similar characters but they still are their very unique individuals in their own worlds I thought it was really, really cool how the animation not only kind of matched that with the different characters, uh, different spider people, let's call them, right. you know, the individual spider man yeah. person yeah. in their own world. Like the, an- the animation and the character design fit that in their own distinct style. But there were also some little details like um, just almost looked like crosshatching across Mm -hmm. the characters like visually where there was like a a glitch in the matrix sort of thing yeah yeah and so that was really portrayed in the movie itself um as as part of the design i thought it was really really cool to give a digital look but it was still unstable because that's part of the plot line yeah and they 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 the one thing that they did like really smartly is because it could be really difficult to understand like the the multiverse and especially because when I first went to see it, I took my son to see it and it's like he was seven at the time. So it could go way over his head. Like why are there like seven Spider-Mans and why is one of them a pig (laughs) and the the other one's a a girl with a, uh, with a mech suit, you know, but they did a really good job. I mean, it's it's established at the very beginning, like we were talking about Columbia Pictures. It's splitting, and, and there's these like fractal things going on to where it shows like 
the current Columbia Pictures thing, some kind of cartoony version, and like the first Columbia Pictures logo ever. It's all kind of splitting and showing all that. You know, the use of like cubism when when they're showing that there's little glitches in in reality and stuff like that. But yeah, you're right. It's 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 really cool how they did it, and it also explained what was going on. You know, and then this way because. The cool thing is, is if you're paying attention too, when you're in this Miles Morales universe, you realize it's not our own because of the movie posters look a little different. There's, um, you know, it's like the, he's got that poster of like Chance the Rapper who always has a hat that has a three on it, but in his world, it's got a four on it. You know, everything's just slightly different. His dad's car says PDNY instead of NYPD. You know, little stuff like that. I love it. Philip, you mentioned that I actually made a note yeah. of that too, the PDMY, because it's also on his uh, shoulder patches. Uh-huh. The the yeah, and and it's those tiny little details that just show something's a little off. Well, they did fun um, stuff like um, there's a shot in Times Square where it has like um, oh I forgot, you know Shaun of the Dead, the movie Shaun of the Dead. And right, then it right. had like from dust till Sean or something like that, that poster. That was a sequel that was written but never made. And so in that universe, there is in fact the sequel to Sean of the Dead. You know, it's just little things like that. I mean, stuff like that. That's why I'm like visually like and just just all of this stuff. It it just enriches that movie even more. It absolutely did, Philip. And and you know, you mentioned some of the details. I really liked in the dialogue there were a lot of little just nudges and nods. It was really cleverly done. And, you know, the, I, I watched it in the theater the first first time I saw it. But then uh, subsequently after that, it was yeah. just Blu-ray. Yeah. And so you catch so much more, as with anything, books, TV, movies, whatever. The more you watch it, the more you pick up on. Uh, one of my favorite little details is, you know, because, of course, with the plot, you know, there's a kind of a fracture in the multiverse that caused these other spider people to come in to Miles's world, right. his realm. And, you know, the, the at one point, um, there's, you know, some little anomalies popping up. You talk about cubism. There's these little kind of, again, glitches in the matrix, so to speak, but they're, <laughs> yeah. they manifest themselves physically in New York City mm-hmm. in whatever year this was supposed to be. Uh, but, you know, it's very beautiful visually. Yeah. But, you know, there's, there's one scene just as a aside where two um onlookers are just standing there looking at this thing and yeah one's like yeah i think it's a banksy <laughs> right so right. you know i thought that was it's really, like a street light was, that had been like messed up <laughs> yeah oh i think it's a banksy like i thought that was really cool but also as 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 much as that was tying into just kind of the modern art and and just kind of a a, a Easter egg to those who would know who Banksy is. It ties directly into what Miles is doing with his uncle, tagging, you know, with graffiti. Yeah. What, and, and, and that's another the, the urban art. That's the another art. art form that's in this movie that's done really well. Like that scene where they're in that, that part of the subway where he does it, the little montage right before he gets bit by the spider, where he's tagging that, that area. It's an awesome looking piece of work that he that he does with his with his uncle, you know. It is, and not only not only that, Philip, and I, I don't think I really fully caught it until the second time I watched it. Mm-hmm. You know, his his piece of art that he's doing then is his silhouette over top of no expectations. Yeah, and it's yeah. been right after 
he was given an assignment or given a test that he missed every question to because he knew every question. So he knew how to get it wrong. Mm -hmm. And his teacher called it, called him out and made him do like a book report on great expectations. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, see, you said you sent it a few times. This is when I I watched it for the second time, like a few days ago in preparation for this, because I had seen it in the theater. I really liked it, loved it. But yeah, I finally got around to seeing it again. I've been meaning to. And and when you, I think you mentioned this as a subject for the show. I was like, yeah, because I've, I've been trying to watch this anyway. So it actually gave me the assignment to watch it again. Yeah, uh, the graffiti I thought was great. The other thing that I thought was really well incorporated in the music, I think the music, not only the the soundtrack, like the, the popular music drops, the hip hop in there, but the score itself was just great. It, it blows me away how well done this movie is sometimes. Well, the the first song that you hear is "Sunflower" mm-hmm. by Post Malone, and that's and the one Sway he's trying Lee. to sing while he's drawing, right? That's yeah. the one. Yep, and and then it comes back, you know, when when he's when Peter Parker, the B version, and which was actually funny because he Peter B Parker was his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, when he said he's like, you know, what do you do to relax? And so. Miles starts singing that song, oh, yeah. and then of course, it, and it comes back at the very end as well. I mean, obviously, that was the big single from the movie that they were going to mm-hmm. push because, yeah, of course, there's going to be money behind anything, and it's of course, the, there's going to be a big push. That's been that way forever. It's the Huey uh, but, Lewis but, uh, power of love for this movie. Yes, you know? it's Post Malone, <laughs> exactly. whatever that song was. But yeah, like you know, Sunflower itself though was it's like it's such a great song too, and and you know you have. Uh, traditionally in superhero world, you've got your Superman stereotypes, you know, yeah. the, the, the rugged, strong, good looking white male. Most of the time, mm-hmm. Stan Lee, it's interesting because, you know, he's a white male yet. He was still able to like, when he created like these X-Men, there's a lot of diversity and it still also feels, I mean, we could dive really deep into this. It still feels like, you know, there's a lot of social change that he's trying to create by having you look at these characters and their, and what they're going through, their ordeals, you know, through kind of their perspective. And I think they become more empathetic when you realize that they're just trying to save humanity even though humanity hates them mm-hmm. you know with spider-man it felt like spider-man because you mentioned it earlier philip the spider-man character is younger than your typical x-men yeah just in general you know it's it's a teenager it's your friendly neighborhood spider-man right and so this movie i thought played into the campiness of traditional spider-man whether it's you know movies or whether it's the old cartoon the amazing spider-man you know it's campy and even in the Marvel movies, which, you know, really, I think Tom Holland's doing a great job um, mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, yeah. But really like, good. even even like when you first see his character pop up in Civil War, he's talking throughout the whole fight. Like, oh, my gosh, look, I'm fighting with the <laughs> with the Avengers. And like, it's it's that Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they played enough into the origins of for lack of a better term, real Peter Parker. Yeah. That, yeah. you know, it, even though we're in Miles's universe, I think it's really, really cool also that they're moving, you know, and they're not afraid to have the lead character, even though he is heavily assisted by other versions of himself, the yeah. lead character is African-American and also, you know, Latino. Right. Yeah. 
I think that was great. Yeah, it was really cool. And and the thing I love about it too is like there are those echoes of the you know the original Peter Parker Uncle Ben thing. He sees his uncle die, but his uncle was a bad guy. You know, his he was actually had to fight his uncle who was ended up being the Prowler. So spoiler alert, you know, who who was his mentor, kind of like a father figure to him outside of his own dad, but ended up being an adversary too, which which is great, which happens in the Spider-Man universe all the time, you know, like with like they, Green they Goblin that. and things like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they referenced that. They said, you know, in my verse, it was Uncle Ben. In my verse, it was my best yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah. It was like, they referenced that. And I it was great. And Philip, like, again, not being somebody that knows, and I say knows as in present tense, not somebody that knows as much about Spider-Man as say I, I, I would Batman or even X-Men. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, they laid out enough so that you didn't have to know much about Spider-Man to not only just enjoy this story, but it gave you enough background so that, oh, you come out of this movie, you know a little bit more about Spider-Man, the character himself. Um, the Being a kid's movie, not just because it was animated, but because it was aimed towards kids, I thought they did a good job at... at not dumbing down things just so kids can enjoy it, you know, and it wasn't just like, oh, here's a clever one-liner or two lines in the movie for the adults that, you know, have to take their kids to this. I thought that they did a really good job of, of you know, diving into this universe, but also because they had characters that were um, of different ages. I think that they could treat it a little bit. Yeah. But it, it it's a lot like the way, you know, in like the 80s and 90s, there were, it felt like, and this may just be because I was a kid at the time, but it felt like there were more movies that were, you know, like you said, yes, it's a movie for kids, but it's still a good movie. So it's well made. So like, it doesn't mean that only kids can enjoy it. It's like, right. you know what I'm saying? And so I thought they, they, they really did thread the needle really well there. I have a question about this. And, and since you've seen it a few more times... I'm thinking like thematically, because when I was talking about, is this a perfect movie? And I'm going to say no. And it's because there's some things like thematically I thought it was a little weak, which is okay. Not to say I don't like it. Like if I had to give this a rating out of 10, I'm giving it like an 8 or 9 out of a 10. But it's not perfect. Okay, so I understand Kingpin, who's our major villain. By the way, I love his character design. He's just massive. You know, he's <laughs> just like this humongous block of a man. But you understand why Kingpin is trying to like, unlock this access to different universes because he's lost his family based on his uh, evil ways. And he's mm -hmm. trying to capture that, not by being a good person, but by <laughs> going into a different universe and getting that, that son and wife from there. Is that what, that's what he's trying to do, right? Well, ultimately he is, but, but I mean, is that, is that the wrong thing to do though? Because yeah, you well, know yeah. how how else could he do it other than right. by reaching into another universe to get his family back? I mean, even though it, <laughs> Philip, it's kind of funny because, like, um, well, I, I say funny in a sick, twisted sense of the word. You know, it reminded me a little bit of Rick and Morty mm -hmm. um, because you know Rick and Morty. As Rick and Morty goes on and the series gets deeper, you know, there's some dark moments where you see, you know, at one point. Rick gets drunk and tries to kill himself because he just hates his life and the predicament he's in. You know, you see a scene where, spoiler alert for those of you who watch 
Rick and Morty. Uh, like there's there's a scene where it, it falls in that same principle. There's there's infinite number of universes. He's developed a way to jump through, as all the Ricks have. But there's only one that's the Rickiest Rick, and he's <laughs> the danger. He's the smartest man in the universe. You know, right. uh, when there's there's a scene in one of the more recent episodes where it's shown through his his memories that he doesn't even know which Beth is his actual daughter. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because you know, and they're two very different, but they're still the <laughs> right. same person. You know, right. there's a lot of this going on, but there's it, it made me empathize a little bit with Kingpin because from what we saw, and you know, again, the more you dive into his character, not just in this film, but outside, the more I'm sure we could discover, depending on which timeline you're looking at. You empathize because it looks like he was trying to keep his business and family separate. Call it what it is. In different universes, he was just trying to do that. I mean, yes. what, oh, trying to have the best of both worlds, literally two worlds. But um, yeah, so no, it was. I like that. I, I thought it was interesting that you know he wasn't just like the evil, humongous gangster. He had some pathos to him. I was trying to figure out for Doc Doc Ock, what is her kind of motivation to work on this too? Is she just trying to like because she's just like an egomaniac to like be able to do this or what what is her motivation for this i i never really caught that well philip they didn't dive into it in this movie and i don't think they could have and yeah. the reason there's being a lot, there's a lot to lay the groundwork for there is a lot you mentioned prowler there's scorpion in there you know there's uh you, some of these characters that some of the bad guys were meant i think just to be counteracting to miles morales and his characters like if you mm -hmm. look at it take 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 it as like an avengers movie and you know i hate to keep going back to another well it's not exactly the different universe completely um but if you look you know these characters i wouldn't give a damn about hawkeye unless i'd seen him in a couple of these movies to see oh he's got a family and just like that yeah. literally just like that his family's gone like you know, they didn't have time in the span of one movie to develop backstories for all these characters. And so what I think they did was they focused enough on the main, which was Miles Morales and, you know, Peter Parker, both of them. Yeah. You know, and, and that relationship and that, you know, whole fulfilling your destiny, great responsibility. I thought that was clever, several of those mm -hmm. lines they brought back. But, you know, I, I think they just couldn't develop Doc Ock's... Um, character in terms of motivation and all that simply because it would have taken away from what was already going on yeah i think they what they did with her there was a line in there where peter's you know and and you know you've got original blonde hair peter which kind of threw me off at the beginning the first time i saw it and then oh okay this is why he had blonde hair the the peter parker with brown hair that looked more like what we expected, but he's a little bit chubby, as they mentioned. He's had a falling out with his wife. You know, it's he, he's in rough shape, but he's kind of cynical when he's training Miles. All he cares about is getting back to his home world. And he's training Miles he's like, no, this is what happens. Just really naming off the stereotypes that you expect for a superhero movie. And one of the best parts about this movie, I thought, and, and it shook me. And again, I didn't catch it the first time. It shook me because he's having the conversation and he's like, you know, step one, we got to do this. Step two, let's identify the lead doctor. And then the visuals <laughs> are showing what you would expect the lead doctor, the big head, the glasses, the male. And 
uh, Miles is like, oh no, yeah, it's it's that lady's the doctor. I saw it in a documentary in my class. So Peter immediately, like, without step three, I'm going to re-examine my personal biases. <laughs> yeah, oh, I yeah, love yeah. that. Like, it, it just it, like that's awesome. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah, and I, that was nice because when you first watch the movie, you know, it was a reveal that she was that universe is like Doctor Octopus, which was awesome because, like, in that scene where they go to that lab to try to get you know the information they need to shut that machine down that's creating that rift. Um, it's really cool when it's revealed. It's like, uh oh, it's her, you know. And <laughs> and Philip, kind of to get back to to your original kind of question, mm -hmm. my take from that whole reveal scene, or my take from the character of of you know Doc Ock, was that she's power hungry for knowledge yeah. through the science. Yeah. She doesn't want Kingpin to destroy it. She wants to do it right. She wants to like get all this stuff and probably to use and it for he's bad reasons. Yeah, and he's but... bankrolling that to allow her to like be able to do this. And so, which I kind of get that she's like kind of uh, she's got the ego to be like, well, I want to be the person that that makes this happen and can like crack open the 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 multiverse or whatever space and time. Yes, or more more yeah. just space. Here's my other question, Patrick. Is a, and this is what I was thinking of when I was watching the end part because the end is just this like crazy, almost psychedelic scene, like fight scene with the, uh, they got the machine turned on, uh, all the, oh, there's all these like things swimming around and they're fighting and stuff like that. And then, you know, at the end he's sending spider pig goes, goes back, uh, you know, um, What's another one? The, the Nick Cage's uh, the Spider Noir. <laughs> or what, what's his name? Right, <laughs> is that it? The the Private Eye uh, film Noir Spider Man goes back. Like, I know it's a kids movie, and I know it's just a movie. But then I'm thinking, what if they go back through that thing, but they end up in a completely different universe? They don't end up like where they originally were. How do you how do you make sure that you end up back where you were to begin with, Patrick? You know, I don't have a good answer, but I'll make one up. I think it's because naturally your body is tuned to go to whatever your home world is. I don't know. Let's hope so. Because <laughs> you don't no, want they, Spider they, Pig and like, you know, the, the land that time forgot where it's just all dinosaurs. You know, I I'm worried about that, Patrick. I'm worried about Spider Pig. <laughs> you know, I feel like, Philip, and, and like cynicism aside, I, I think that there probably actually is a little bit of that mindset in there where like, you know, because they were glitching throughout the movie because that was not their home. I feel like, you know, you're drawn back to where okay. you belong. Right. And so that's what I'm going to tell myself. Yeah. Well, you know what? That works for me too. Cause I'm not going to be, I'm not going to release like a YouTube video, 20 things wrong with such and such movie because why do they, why do people do well, that? The thing like, is, is you know why they do it? It's cause people watch them. I mean, it's really, it's really bad because you're like, you know, at the end of the day, it's a movie. It it's a piece of it's a piece of art. Art is an approximation or a frame around life. It it can't be exactly right because if it was, it would be boring and you wouldn't want to watch it. But I, I'll accept that. I like that explanation that they're you know almost like a magnet. They're they just want to be pulled back into their their home world. But yeah, I think one of the things, and it's just the way the movie is because one. The movie is, it's introducing a new Spider-Man. Two, it's introducing, you know, for kids, it's introducing an idea, like, 
of theoretical physics of the multiverse. So it has to do a lot of explaining, which I don't mind because I really like movies like this. I like that idea, like conceptual movies like this or like time travel movies I enjoy. But I, I think that, I mean, they're making a sequel to this. I think it's supposed to come out in 2022, maybe. I think I looked that up. I think it's coming out in 2022. It really has potential to be better than the first one because it won't have to take all this time to uh, explain the world to us, and it can really just jump into like character development, whatever scrapes that Miles gets into. And and I'll just say, Miles is a great Spider-Man. I, I really like that character as well. I really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I absolutely am too. And I think that uh, as far as character progression goes, of course, that was the character that they focused on to really develop. Mm-hmm. You know, there were hints here and there at the other characters, you know, again, you got to see even the bad guys, you got to see a little bit of Kingpin's backstory and motivation. You saw Peter Parker having that superhero lifestyle and then he died. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. then the B, B version comes in and they show, well, he's having it a little tougher on us. He's, <laughs> he's a little bit more down on his luck. And, right. You know, you see a little bit why. And they, again, they dive into a little bit of those adult themes. You know, he didn't want to have kids. Mary Jane did. And so that was the cause of their split. Like, that he dives into that indirectly when he's like working with Miles at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that that was a really big, uh, I, I think that they planted all the seeds that you could read enough between the lines or you could, you know, water whatever seed that you wanted and to develop a, a pretty solid idea as to why each character is the way they are or whatever. Um, but then they also threw in, um, for like comedic purposes or for just simple, simply to show the differences amongst the spider verses in, you know, you had the pig. Yeah. I had to look that up, Philip, to know that that was a real, yeah, was you know, Peter, yeah. what, Peter Porker. Yeah. Like <laughs> I had no idea what that was a real thing. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Or spider ham. I should say that was his actual character <laughs> yes, name. Yes. Spider ham. Right. You know, you had Penny Penny Parker, who was like... Yeah, from Japan. Yeah, but I mean, that was a clear, like, nod to a lot of that, just, I hate to say standard, but you see a lot of that in, like, you know, Japanese animation, and, and where you, you've got a lot of uh, reliance on technology, and, you know, like... I thought that was great, but again, I had to actually, but not being a huge Spider-Man person, I had to actually look up this yeah, stuff. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is like, there's so many Spider-Man books, and it kind of goes to it, you know, the idea of the Spider-Verse, because there's like amazing Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man, there's some of the other ones, there's Spider-Man 2049, who pops up at the end of the book, which I was yep. excited about, because I got the, you know, as I was saying, when I was collecting, I bought the issue one of Spider-Man 2049 or whatever it was. And I didn't really enjoy it, but I was like, this is going to be worth money. But then it turns out, you know, along with the baseball (laughs) cards of the 90s, they produced way too many of them because collectorism was becoming a thing. And so they're worth nothing. But, you know, I thought it would be. It's funny you mentioned that uh, collection thing, Philip. I want to show you something for a second here. Philip, I want to show you an image here. 
So, if I'm, like I said, I'm not a, a comic book collector or anything, um, but one of my favorite artists uh, did this and actually bought it. Oh, cool. Um, it's from the Amazing Spider-Man, but it's, it's you know, Spider-Gwen. It's Gwen Stacy, but I, I he's one of my favorite artists. His name's Tyler Kirkham. Mm-hmm. And I picked this up with the expectation that I was going to, like, read it and, and uh, you know, just really enjoy it. But then I saw that it was, like, signed and and sealed and yeah, yeah. like certificate of authenticity also and so i haven't actually opened it yet but like i really love his art design um of gwen stacy and you know i purchased this before like i really got into this movie mm-hmm. because i just like the art design specifically this particular one and also because like i like supporting artists and right Sometimes and not just like your local artists, which I fully recommend people do. I mean, mm-hmm. even if it means just going to their art shows or you know throwing them a few bucks, and and that's not just visual art. I mean, that person that's playing while you're drinking at dinner and talking with your friends, yeah. like throw them a couple of bucks at the end I of mean, the night. I mean, that's because... why we interviewed Stephen Munoz in a, the Cobra Kai episode. You know, he was he was playing at the Glass Jug in Durham, and he you know they're struggling right now, given COVID and the limitations on performing and travel and things like that but yeah that's why you can go to his like coffee that k-o-f-i and you can drop him a few bucks if you don't have if you don't have the uh the the cash on you but yeah you're right anything we can do to support people to keep creating yeah whatever that stands for whatever that means you know i love picking up uh, when they print off sketchbooks, mm-hmm. like you know, they'll here's my sketchbook from 2016. I love picking that stuff up because you know I gain a lot from it. I like seeing the behind the scenes, and you know sometimes they'll sign it. They'll they'll got a couple of originals from Stephen E. Gordon that uh, he did um, the the character designs for X Men Evolution. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, I right. guess about 20 years ago now. You know, love his work. He, I've got a couple of originals from him that he, he drew for me, you know, because I picked up his you've sketchbooks. Got a, you've got a Daniel Johnston original I got you one time. I do. Yeah. You, yes, Daniel peace. Johnston, another, another you know, amazing artist that, like, you know, I'm all for supporting artists and stuff, but, you know, I digress, Phil. My point is that, like, as much as I love Tyler Kirkham's uh, Gwen version, I think that of all the, the spider Gwens I've seen, this is my fa- favorite character design. This movie, yeah, yeah, I liked her so much, and not just her personality. I'm talking about the actual. This sounds so shallow. Oh my god, not just her personality and who she was as a character. You're talking but about the character design. I yeah, liked it lo- her looks outfit. Cool. Yeah. Like it was a really cool outfit. It was a really cool design, and you know she had the eyebrow ring. But then, like the way that they did it, when you see her meet Miles for the first time, mm-hmm. and you know, she laughs at a stupid joke that he tells. And then you see later on, they actually start conversing. He gets nervous accidentally. He touches her hair. You know, basically touches her hair and they have to shave it. But then ends up giving her that like cool haircut yeah, yeah, looking. Yeah. Like they made her into a badass character through the story that also showed that he is young and he's going through a lot of stuff he's confused he's just like any teenage boy and then they later on you see the behind the scenes that oh wait you know she had a reason for telling him just relax she knew that he was spider-man or you know a a spider-man the cool thing is too is that not only was she sent through that that portal that got opened up but she also got sent 
a week behind when the portal opened up. So it was pretty cool how it was like, oh, it, there's also not a rift in just space, but also time. So she got knocked back a week. It, it, I thought that was pretty awesome. It absolutely was. But, you know, like I said, I think that, like, she's one of those characters that I would like to see more of, um, not just because the character design is awesome, but, like, I think that that's one of those characters they could really dive into. And they kind of opened the door a little bit, you know, not not talking just the post credit scene, like the, the end-end scene, but, at the, you know, towards the very end, they leave it open with Gwen reaching out somehow through some sort of portal to Miles. Hey, got a minute? Like, I'm really excited because, you know, that opens the door, but I think that, you know, kind of like they did, again, in the Marvel Universe, they, they develop certain characters through certain movies. I think that we got a great introduction to Miles and a great introduction to this universe now let's let's let them go off on some adventures and let's you know let's see if what what the behind the scenes for Doc Ock is what is her motivation you know she she's probably pissed off right now mm-hmm. so bring her back and let her be the main villain and then maybe we can find out more about her motivation in becoming Doc Ock yeah, you know she worked hard on that big machine they they blew it up yes but uh yeah yeah, no, I, I I'm looking forward to it. I, I will definitely check out this sequel. And like we said before, you know, if you're hanging with us and you haven't seen the movie and you've had it all spoiled, still go go see the movie. Check it out. It's on Netflix right now. If you don't have Netflix, you know, rent it or or just do what Patrick did. Get the physical copy so you can't be you know beholden to the uh, the the streaming deals and this thing going on and off uh, your your platform of choice. Philip, one of the, you know, I mentioned to you in our video game episode uh-huh. that the Spider-Man, the Marvel Spider-Man oh, yeah. video game was one of my top games of all time. PlayStation 5, I we got thought, the Miles Morales coming. Okay, sorry. Oh, yes. I didn't mean to throw um, you off there. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, I thought that having played that game, there was a scene in this movie that I appreciate a lot more. It's when they go to visit Aunt May, mm-hmm. who, of course, is heartbroken because you know her Peter Parker has just died and so but she opens the door to them they go into the you know Spider-Man's lair for lack of a better term but when when you see all those costumes I appreciated that a lot more because I had to unlock those costumes in the game <laughs> and so right. like I'm like oh my yeah. god that's the one I finished right, right. like I thought that was really cool yeah. and kind of going along with you know the character development of Miles when he picked the standard spider-man costume to for the big finale but he spray painted it and made it his own yeah 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 and he had that, the hoodie. that was so symbolic but it was so awesome it was so him and it really was was powerful you know there were a couple of, uh, of points in here philip too that like i was pushed into a lot of self-reflection you know, you talk about what a perfect movie is. I don't know. And I, I think I'm scared to know because I don't think I'll be able to fully enjoy. I think it's subjective, Patrick, because I'm talking, when I, I talk about I, for me, yeah, but you're right. You're you're totally right. But I, I, that's just the thing. I mean, that's the difference between me and you too. Like, I'm scared to come up with a a criteria for what is a perfect movie to me. I'm scared of that. But what you know, what I can speak of is that this this story really kind of hit me mm-hmm. in certain moments, which was kind of weird because you know, like take take 
Aunt May, she's seeing Peter. She knows it's not her Peter, but there's still like a love there. There's still like, you know, man. And and you start thinking about that stuff. You know, when when Peter the the Peter B. Yeah. Picks up a picture of Mary Jane, and he's like having just it, it hits uh, or him they're so in hard. The, yeah, when they're pretending to be waiters in that in that dinner scene, and and he yes. has to be reminded, it's like that's not your Mary Jane, but he can't help himself, you know. It, yeah, like I mean, those those sorts of things really hit you. It's like there's there's so much out there that's beyond your control. Yet I think the the idea of or or just the the inherent nature of humanity is to be in control, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to self preservation. Yeah. And you see that in uh, f- fight or flight, like Miles Morales, he turns invisible. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he's scared to death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And the other thing, the the other thing I like is a nice little touch. You know, he has his uncle, who is his father, like a father figure, a mentor, becomes an adversary. You know, it's a little complicated like that. He teaches him that little shoulder move to pick up girls, right? Which he tries on, like he, earlier we said, he tries it on Gwen. He accidentally gets his hand stuck <laughs> to her hair that she has to buzz off. But that's how he defeats Kingpin. Is he has that like electricity move? that um, he can't really control, but he's able to do it with that shoulder touch right at the end. I think it's a really nice little button that, uh, you know, the the writing's good. It Everything that's, you know, set up at the beginning of the movie pays off at the end. It's like they took, you can just tell the people that made this movie, they cared about it, the way it was oh, written, yes. the definitely the way it looked. I saw that they, I saw a little trivia thing. They hired 180 animators for this to get it right. And I'm so glad they did. It's it's a beautiful movie. I, I really like it. It's great. Well, Phil, they obviously had money backing them, which is good. But you know, let's let's let, let's call it what it is. If it's not the Disney machine or the Pixar machine when it comes to animation, you got to be able to hold your own, not just to make money, but but to get any sort of commercial airplay. To I mean, how many animated movies are out there that have just gone under the radar because they just weren't good let's be honest and we can say it's funding or whatever of course we can but like reality is they clearly put in the time and effort and it started with the story i think every good piece of art starts with the story period yeah i was mentioning earlier with the the oscar it went up against and this is what i was worried about it went up against the other nominees it won as we mentioned before, it won the Academy Award for Animated Feature Film, the you know the 2019 edition. It went up against Ralph Breaks the Internet, so that was a Disney movie, like you were saying. Uh, Mirai, which I don't know, I think it's a um, a Japanese film. Isle of Dogs, which is the Wes Anderson animation film, which you know you're like, oh no, he's like a little darling Wes Anderson. So, and then Incredibles 2, which you know was like there was a big time lapse between like the first one and the second one. It was like a big deal. It's a really good movie, but I was like, Spider-Verse has got to win. And, and fortunately it did uh, for whatever that means, if that <laughs> means anything to you. <laughs> but I, I thought it was cool because like so many times, like it's either a Pixar or a Disney movie that wins that category. And this time it didn't, but. Let me, let me throw one more little uh, tidbit out there that just had me cracking up. And I, I've, I've laughed every time I've seen this. And again, it plays into the details, yeah. you know. 
you're at the end of the movie. They they're right before they leave it open for a sequel with Gwen reaching out through whatever. They're showing these other characters. You know, I, I love that the the noir Spider Man took the Rubik's cube. Oh yeah, like, I don't know what this is, but I'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Like, right. I, I I love I love that. You know, the 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 clear parody of Porky Pig. That's all, folks. And then, oh, can he legally say that? Yeah, yeah. My favorite was was Spider Pig here. With or like, my I, God, I keep I keep calling him Spider Pig, and I realize it was because that that's from The Simpsons. The Simpsons yeah. movie, because yeah, I'm Simpsons doing it too. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's it's exactly that's exactly where. It's Spider Ham, not Spider Pig, not Homer Simpson. Spider Ham, yes. Um, when there, there's a scene of him walking down the street eating a hot dog, yeah. <laughs> and every time I see this, I have like tears in my eyes, laughing because that's just that's just one of those funny things that they threw in that took, you know that, and you know that was somebody like me and you, just one of those 118 animators. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's 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 throw me let's throw a little hot dog in his hand, see if anybody says something. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's. I love that. It cracks me up. Kosher all beef hot dog. We don't know, but you're right. I mean, it could, but let's be honest. (laughs) Cartoon hot dogs always have pork in them. All right, man. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. I think from both of us, we'd recommend the movie. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So check it out. It's on, uh, you know, use your uh, parents' login for Netflix and check it out. All right. Well, you know, you can always find us. Let us know what you think about it. Um, let us know where we're right. Correct us on how many times we said spider pig instead of spider ham. You can do that by emailing us at stokescountyboys at gmail.com. Uh, if you use Apple Podcasts, it helps other people find the show. If you're able to rate it, five stars. Uh, review, send a review, write us a little something. We'll read it on the show. Subscribe to it so you don't miss any episodes. You can also find us on Twitter at SCBoysPod. Instagram at stokescountyboys. And then also, don't forget, we got our Spotify playlist. You type in Stokes County in that Spotify search bar. There's two things you're going to find. Of course, this podcast and the playlist. Patrick, onwards and upwards. (laughs) Onwards and upwards, Philip. (laughs) I don't know what possessed me to say that. (laughs) I don't know. That's great. Every child, woman and man, opinion don't matter. Stick to your plan. If they judge, still don't budge. Don't give an inch, don't give a nudge. nudge. Life a bitch, leave it better than bitch. Lose a wig, got a hold of your chin. chin. And I put it on Jamie and me. We just gave you inspiration to free the money. Never meant much. Phil, I, I like that. Like in in this movie too, as they do in Marvel movies, that there was a Stanley cameo, which was oh yeah, great. yeah, it was really cool yeah. to see him. But also, they did that post-credit scene with the you know the future Spider-Man that's you know learning. He, he's going to learn how to right. enter the multiverse. Oh like, yeah, he's he's going to be able to pick and choose. Purpose. I was expecting this. Uh, this big reveal or mystery, but instead they threw it back to the original animated Spider-Man the, the, from the 1960s. Yeah, that was straight up Space Ghost. Yeah, that was yeah. like Space oh, Ghost, coast to coast. God, I was expecting right. this deep or whatever twist. No, it was just goofy. But it was, no, they were just. You went to the crappy. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it was great. That was awesome. Love it. Gotta love it.